those of you joining us in the room, those of you online, we just want to say thank you for being with us today. Uh, I'm excited about what we are going to be talking about uh, this morning. You, you and I are constantly managing two finite resources. We are constantly managing two finite resources, our money and our time. And I imagine that we all want to spend both of them wisely, like we want to make the most of what has been entrusted to us. Last fall, I realized that I was not making the most of the time that had been entrusted to me. And I needed to develop some better time management skills. I was convicted by the thought that all of us have a limited number of days. And, and the truth is, and we don't like to think about it, but the truth is, is that we don't know how many days are left in our account. And so I just, like this, this washed over me, like, Lord, I want to make the most of every day that you have given me. And so I am trying, <laughs> I'm trying uh, to put some new habits into practice that will help me spend my time a little bit more wisely because again, our time is limited. And in a way, uh, the same is true about our money, but with one small caveat. You cannot borrow more time, but you can borrow more money, right? You, you cannot borrow more time, but you can borrow more money. While your money is limited to a degree, there are people out there who out of the sheer kindness of their heart are ready and willing to give you more money. All you have to do is just sign on the dotted line, promise that you'll pay it back, and they'll tack on a little bit of interest as you go. Well, early on in my adult life, I took uh, these fine people up on their kind offer. I uh, remember buying my very first car right out of high school. Oh, 18-year-old Sean, you were so dumb and naive. <laughs> And, and we were sitting there in the office, and I signed the last paper, and I'll never forget it. My dad turned to me and said, Sean, welcome to the world of debt. You'll never be able to escape. And like, you can almost hear the dun-dun-dun, you know, right after those words. And that should have been my first warning sign that this stuff should be handled with care. But man, I just blew right past that warning sign. In my mind... Like, this was just normal. Like, this is how you did it. It's what everyone did. I thought that if you wanted anything in life, you had to borrow it for it. You had to put it on a credit card. And then you just had to try to pay all of that back. That, that you would base your standard of living by the monthly payments that you were able to afford. And my friend Ron Blue is sitting right here just probably shivering, going, no, that's not the way it works. And it's not. Not. I had to learn that lesson the hard way. And that is especially dangerous when you buy into the lie that uh, the quality of your life is directly related to the standard of living. And if you can get more or newer or better, then you believe, oh, then my life is going to be better. But most of us have lived long enough to know that's just not the way that it works. But that's how I lived, and eventually that was how Amber and I lived. And we got to this place where we were both making decent money, but we weren't able to get ahead. Like, we were paying our bills, 
Amber told me yesterday, you make it sound like we were in like default and running from our creditors. And like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't anything like that. Like we were paying our bills. We weren't in default on anything, but we just weren't able to get ahead. Most of what was coming in was immediately going right back out to pay our bills or to feed our salsa addiction at the local Mexican restaurants. Like we didn't have much margin. There were even a couple of times when, when we wanted to give to something. There was a ministry that we believed in, a friend from college that was going on to the mission field, and they said, hey, would you, be, would you like to, to, to be a monthly supporter of our ministry? And we so badly wanted to, but we couldn't. And that hurt because my, my wife, one of her spiritual gifts is generosity. Like it just flows out of her. God has given that gift and that passion to her. She is generous with her life and she is generous with finances. And our cost of living was keeping my wife from living her spiritual gift. And while we weren't necessarily strapped for cash, our hearts were certainly strapped by cash. I think it's fair to say that we were not making the most of what had been entrusted to us. What we needed were new habits, new habits. And so we started to make some small changes that over time added up to make a big difference in our lives and our financial health. And we all know this, that if you want to start a new habit or make a change in your life, whatever it is and how you use your time, your money, if you want to eat healthier, if you want to read more books, whatever change it might be, there's this universal principle that once you grasp it, it actually works in your favor. And the principle is this, new habits lead to new outcomes. New habits lead to new outcomes. In other words, if you want to arrive at a place that you have never been, then you have to do some things that maybe you've never done. If you want new outcomes, you have to form new habits. And so if you want to read more, it might mean turning the TV off an hour earlier than what you normally do or leaving your phone in another room so that you're not tempted to open up the gram or be real as the kids are using these days. <laughs> if you want to eat healthier, you might start tracking what you're eating or just committing to like shopping on the outside aisles of the grocery store. If you want to make a change in your life, it often starts by forming new habits. Because you cannot get where you want to go by doing what you have always done. It's just going to lead you right back into the same place. New habits lead to new outcomes. And the same is true with our money. And I know this firsthand because we lived it. Amber and I's journey towards financial health and freedom did not come with an increase in salary. We, we did not have a rich unknown relative that passed away and, and, and let us inherit all of this money. We had a sudden flow of cash that we had never had before. And we're like, yes, finally we can be financially healthy. No, it took hard work, dedication, sacrifices, and putting some habits that we're going to be talking about today into practice in our lives. Habits that are based and founded on Scripture. 
And here's the best part. Whether you have a little or you have a lot, whether you are strapped for cash or you are strapped by cash, these principles are universal. They work at any income level with every financial situation. They work in a bull market just as well as they work in a bear market. If you and your family are looking to raise your debt capital, (laughs) they might work in that too. Maybe our government should pay attention. Since these habits are taken right from Scripture, they are limitless and they are true. Even if you're a skeptic about faith, if you're here and you're not even sure what you believe about all of this, you're not even sure that you can trust what the Bible says, man, I just encourage you today, listen to the words of Scripture and see if maybe there's some wisdom that can even apply to your life too. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, As we live out these habits, it's a way for us to be able to live out our faith. But even if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, it's just good wisdom to live by. So we are going to get super practical today. Let's start. Habit number one, spend less than you earn. Spend less than you earn. And here's a little hint. None of these habits are going to be like mind-blowing. Like they're so simple. Spend less than you earn. The truth is every success in your financial life depends on this habit. And credit cards and loans have actually made it really easy for us to spend more than what we earn. In fact, more than 50% of Americans spend over 100% of their annual income. Think about that. 50% of Americans spend more than their annual income income. But if you are able to spend less than you earn, you are well on your way towards making some financial gains. And really what it comes down to is what we have talked about over the last couple of weeks in this series. It is learning to be content with what we have. In 1 Timothy 6, 8, and 9, the Apostle Paul says, if I have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap And into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into destruction. In other words, those who have bought into the lie that the quality of life is directly related to their standard of living will find themselves strapped by their money. But when we learn to be content with what we have and spend less than we earn, when when we avoid the love of money that Paul would go on in this passage to warn us about, If we avoid the love of money and the things that money can buy, we are taking our first steps towards financial freedom and health. And for Amber and I, that meant uh, needing to start a budget, which seems so simple, but we had just never really done it. And so we laid out and we named every dollar and where it was going to go because we, you know, needed to do some, some things to really get back on the right track. We turned the dial up to an 11 And we went full-blown cash envelope system. Any money that we were going to spend that month, it went into an envelope. And once that envelope was empty, we were done. We didn't have any more. Even if we actually had some more in the bank, we did not have any more. And and while we've kind of turned it down a little bit, and we don't use the envelope system anymore, we still do an allowance each and every month to make sure that we don't spend more than what we make 
And I, and I remember <laughs> when, when we first set that up, I was like, really? Um, I am 30 years old and I'm getting an allowance? Like, I, I didn't really like that concept. Uh, Dave Ramsey became a four-letter word in our house for a little while. But setting a budget and sticking to it was the discipline that we needed to form some new habits in our life. Habits that helped us spend less than we were earning. Habit number two is give generously. We could spend an entire sermon series talking about the importance of this. And just as a reminder, if maybe this is your first time with us in this series, yes, we're talking about money, but we're not doing this because we want anything from you. We want something for you. And so even when we talk about giving generously, I'm, I'm not saying like you need to increase your giving to the church, maybe, but but maybe you just need to look for other ways to be generous in your day-to-day life and those around you and the organizations that you believe in. There is nothing, I've, I've said it before already in this series, there is absolutely nothing that can break the control that money has on our hearts more than generosity, faster than generosity. Loosening your grip on money will loosen its grip on your heart because generosity breaks the power that money has in your life. When you invest in things that really matter and the people that you really believe in, you find that you start to care a whole lot more about those things and those people than what you used to. I think that's why Jesus says these words. You may even be familiar with them if you don't know anything about Scripture. Matthew 6, 19 through 21, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. In other words, don't just use your earthly money for earthly gain and pleasure that is here today and gone tomorrow. Instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Invest in those things that cannot be taken away from you. Use your earthly money for heavenly gains that will last in eternity. And then Jesus closes with these brilliant words for where your treasure is there your heart will be also. We typically think that our money follows our heart. But what I found to be more true in in my life is that my heart follows my money. In other words, if uh, if I I invest in something, I all of a sudden start caring a lot more about that thing. What we invest in gets more of our attention. Jesus is inviting us to invest in eternity through our generosity so that he has our heart, not our finances, not anything temporary in this world. Habit number three, avoid the use of debt. Because debt always mortgages the future. In other words, if you take on debt today, you are committing to how you are going to spend a portion of your money tomorrow. And, and, and you may get to tomorrow and realize, well, there's things that I want to spend my money on now, but you can't because you've already spent tomorrow's money on a purchase today. Something I've learned about myself is that I have a greater tolerance for debt than I do discipline. Think about that. Maybe you would agree. (laughs) I have a much greater tolerance for debt than I do discipline. It's instant gratification. 
In other words, if it comes down to getting something now and making payments on it versus saving for a few months or even a couple of years and the discipline that that takes, my natural tendency, if it were not for the Holy Spirit and my lovely wife, would be to always lean (laughs) towards debt. It's just something I have to be aware of. But every time I borrow money, I am entering into a relational power dynamic that does not favor me. I think that's what Solomon means when he says in Proverbs 22, 7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Man, that's a strong word right there, isn't it? There's a power dynamic that happens between the borrower and the lender. And if you have ever borrowed or lended money to a family member, you know all about that power dynamic and how quickly it sets itself into place. The giver will always feel like they are over the receiver, and the receiver will always feel like they are less than the giver. It's a dignity thing. When you owe someone something, that person has a certain amount, or at least they think they do, of power and control over you. And Christ came to set us free and does not want us to be bound to anything or to anyone. And so scripture encourages us to avoid the use of debt. Habit number four, plan for financial margin. And the reason this is so important is because the unexpected will always, always, always happen. So it's just wise to create breathing room in our finances, even if it's just a little bit, because you never know when you might need it, and it just might keep an emergency from becoming a catastrophe in your life. And we can plan for financial margin in a couple of ways. We can tighten up our spending so that we have more money left over at the end of the month instead of more month left over at the end of our money. (laughs) We can also create an emergency fund. $1,000, it's amazing what that little bit of a buffer can do and the confidence when things come your way. And, And I know that in here, statistically, three out of five of us are living paycheck to paycheck. And you might think there is no way that I am able to create any margin in my finances. I'm already squeezing it as tightly as I possibly can, but I promise there is a way to do it. You might have some things lying around your house that you can sell on Marketplace. You might need to lower your standard of living for a little while and look for ways to save some money here and there that you can put back. And listen, I'm not not saying that you have to live like a pauper. I'm saying that the relief that you feel when you have just a little bit of margin in your finances is going to be worth every bit of effort that you put into it. And this habit, I think, isn't just for people who are strapped for cash. I think planning for financial margin is just as important for those who are on their feet and doing okay. In fact, sometimes I think it might even be harder for those folks. I like how Lynn Richardson puts it. She says, everybody knows how to spend less when they have none. It's a little bit easier. That's not the challenge. The challenge is to have money and learn not to spend it. That is a challenge. There's wisdom in it. James, the brother of half, uh, half-brother of Jesus, says, now listen, You who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, we will spend a year there, carry on our business and make money. 
Those of you who, who say that way, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. And we don't know what will happen tomorrow. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't put back a little or create some margin for when something does happen tomorrow. All right, finally, habit number five, set long-term goals. Set long-term goals. And and I think what makes setting long-term goals so difficult, especially long-term financial goals, is because the need or um, more likely the want is always staring us right in the face. Something that's maybe even emotionally driven. That, that want is singing its siren song and the only cure is to separate from it, to avoid eye contact at all costs because it might cost you everything. And so it might mean staying away from the mall. It, it might mean that, that you no longer shop at that electronic store or open up their app because every time you do, you get that wantitude in you or that deservitude in you and you, you are tempted to buy and to buy and to buy. Maybe this year it means skipping the home show or the boat and RV show. The only way to do that is just to avoid. Maybe, maybe it even means looking the other way as you drive past the car lot. The point is, don't expose yourself to the environments that make you discontent with what you have. Separating from short-term temptations to spend your money will empower you to make and keep Long-term goals. Again, Solomon says in Proverbs 21.20, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, these riches, but fools gulp theirs down. They eat it as quickly as they get it. Short-term goals allow us to lose our money quick. Long-term goals allow us to get where we truly desire. So those are the five habits. And, and as you can see, I mean, this isn't rocket science. Like, I didn't say anything this morning. You're like, wow, I've never heard this before. And that's it. Like, financial wisdom is simple to understand, but it's not always easy to practice. I think the thing that keeps so many people from developing these habits isn't because they don't work or that they're too complicated. It's that forming new habits can be hard, but it always, always, always pays off. And in our case, for our financial situation, it paid off quite literally. So after finishing Financial Peace University in the spring of 2010, uh, Amber and I started putting these habits into practice. We made a budget and we stuck to it. We worked hard to make sure that we were not spending money that we did not have We started giving more to our church and some ministries that we cared about so that money would begin to loosen its grip on our hearts, particularly my heart. We cut up our credit cards. We started tackling our debt little by little by little. And we found a way to create a $1,000 emergency fund. And we set a long-term goal which for us at the time felt absolutely impossible. We set a long-term goal to have six months of our living expenses put away in a savings account where we could access it if anything happened. And in the fall of 2010, about six months into our journey and a whole lot of hard work and sacrifice later, we had all of our credit card debt paid off. Later on that year, we paid off the, the last bit of our student loans. 
In, in the spring of 2011, we were beginning to tackle our car payments a little bit more heavily, and we were putting some cash, more and more cash back to go towards our six-month emergency fund. And it was around that time uh, when, uh, with all of this hard work and, and all of this momentum that we were experiencing, it was around that time that, that Amber said, hey, I've got some news. We're pregnant. And it was like, wow, praise God. We, we thought that we were moving towards financial health for our own good, and little did we know that this little family was about to grow. Our financial health and all of the sacrifices and work started to make a whole lot of sense. And then in June of 2011, uh, we experienced something that probably many of you have experienced. And Amber had a miscarriage, and we lost our baby. And you know how absolutely devastating that can be. And so Amber went into the hospital and had the procedure. And we went home, and we spent some time crying and grieving and healing. And a couple of months later, the hospital bill for that procedure came in the mail. And as a husband whose wife pays the bills, you have no idea, you have no idea what it meant that we were able to write a single check to pay for that procedure. And that that bill would not come in the mail and be a monthly reminder the pain of our loss. It was devastating. I'm so grateful it made all of those new habits that we were forming worth it. And through the end of 2011 and into the beginning of 2012, we put every dollar away that we could to pay off the last of our loans and building our savings account. And I'll never forget, I marked it on our calendar. On Friday, March 16th, 2012, we made the last deposit that allowed us to meet our six-month emergency fund. We were debt-free, except for our house. <laughs> we were feeling the most financially healthy and happy that we had ever felt. We had met our goals, but little did we know that God had something in store for all of that money that we'd been putting about that we couldn't even imagine. His plan for that money was so much better than ours. And we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But as we close up, I just want to put up these five habits one more time. Spend less than you earn. Give generously. Avoid the use of debt. Plan for financial margin. And set long-term goals. How are you doing on those? In the 8 o'clock service, I asked that rhetorical question, and a lady over here said, good. I'm like, all right, well, good for you. Maybe... Uh, <laughs> Maybe, maybe you should be up here. <laughs> but how are you doing? I, a scale of one to five, where, where are you on those things? Are there areas where you would say, yes, amen, I'm doing good. Awesome, praise God for that. Are there some areas where you're like, you know, we can grow in that. You know, God gives us wisdom for all things in our life, including our finances. It's the kind of gracious father he is for us. But the greatest gift that he gave us is Jesus. Man, through Jesus, God lavishes his love on us. He spared no expense 
to pay the price for our sin and to show us the fullness of his love and his grace. And he invites us into a relationship with him. And whether that means we come with a whole lot of baggage, a whole lot of debt, a whole lot of mistakes in our past, he says, I'll take it. I'll take it. If you're here today and you are ready to give your life to Jesus and start following him, he's already paid everything you need and we want to help you take that next step. Quentin's gonna share with us how we can do that, but before he does, let me pray. God, thank you for your grace and your goodness. Thank you for the wisdom that we can find in your word about life and about money. Lord, I pray that you will teach us how to live out these habits more in our life and that as we do, we will experience the freedom that you desire for us. But ultimately, Lord, I just pray that as we surrender more of ourselves to you, or maybe even surrender to you for the first time, and we'll just find the joy of living and following you, your word, and your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.